your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your favorite podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, and today's episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, that's BillBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Cody, I don't know if this is everybody's favorite team right now. I don't know. I don't know if the Houston Texans, at least for Texan fans, um, if they're the favorite team for everybody right now. A lot of people were pissed off and disappointed at the showing Houston gave last night as they took on the Kansas City Chiefs, lost that game 31-20. And I got to tell you, you guys, I told you a couple weeks ago, don't fret, don't panic. This schedule for the Houston Texans goes, Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. MVP two years ago, Super Bowl MVP, returned over 20 starters on that team, right? They are going to to be the best team in football. Everybody else outside of a couple of teams like who we have next week with the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Houston, along with other teams, they have to experience a lot of turnover this offseason. And so, you know, without playing other guys for, you know, not the month of August, you know, didn't have an offseason, didn't have a preseason. And then you have a guy like Titus Howard, who I can't wait to discuss, he hasn't played football in nearly a year, you know, that's going to be trouble, right? You're going to have a hard time. And then next week you have to prepare. You have 10 days to prep for the Baltimore Ravens. And then after that, who knows what type of Pittsburgh still a team we're going to get because Big Ben is back and they don't have that quarterback uh, lackluster performing uh, at the position that they would, that they had last year when Big Ben was out. So what I'm getting at is last night you have to take that game with a grain of salt, but that does not mean we're not here to analyze and discuss what we saw and, and some of the frustrating, I'd say, aspects of last night. We're also going to talk about the good things of last night as well. I got to tell you, David Johnson looked damn good. I, I, I think, you know, when I mentioned early on in the week that Kansas City, I'm sorry, not Kansas City, but the Arizona Cardinals the last two to three years have had the worst offensive line as a unit if not number one, number two, and now he's coming to Houston where they are significantly better. You know, we saw that last night in just the first game. It was very good, seven yards per carry, active legs, uh, was able to really uh, get, in out, get in and out of some of his cuts. So I was very excited to see David Johnson. Uh, but there are things the Houston Texans need to work on. Bill O'Brien talked about it. They have to hurry up and fix a lot of these problems quickly ahead of week two's matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. Look, the team that we saw on yesterday, that is just what most of these teams in the NFL is going to look like this week and possibly next week as well, because not only are you going into a season with a bunch of new pieces, but this is the first time that they were actually throwing on the football field. And unlike Kansas City, who has returned just about all of their players and the one player who killed the Texans, we're going to talk about him a little bit later, later. That was just the only addition that they basically made to their offense. But you saw it. There were times where Deshaun Watson, his receiving core, they, they just wasn't on one accord from the very opening kickoff. So hopefully next week is going to be better. But look, John, any team in this league, 
who has made significant changes to their roster is going to show the first game and possibly the second game as well. So that that was my biggest takeaway is that at the end of the day, we was looking at a team that that is still trying to figure things out and to, and to further prove my point, the first three quarters, that offense outside of David Johnson looked bad up until the fourth quarter. You saw Deshaun Watson starting to connect with Randall Cobbs. You, you just saw the offense starting to get things going. And I believe what we saw in the fourth quarter is what the Texans are going to try to expand on as they go into next week game against the Baltimore Ravens. So we got a lot to discuss. Bad outing, but there to me, there's more positives to take away from this game more than negatives. Let me also say this. Um, for the people who are, man, I wish the Texans had a number one receiver to go to. Oh, that's right. They traded DeAndre Hopkins. The offense doesn't look any much better. Will Fuller had eight catches for nearly 120 yards. Just about the same that DeAndre Hopkins would have given you. And, uh, yes, he would have been utilized more in the red zone if Hopkins was here. But I think when you look at what Houston did for the small amount of time they was in the red zone, they still got creative, right? One was a run-in by Deshaun Watson. And Jordan Atkins had a very big touchdown. I mean, I was, it, was, it was good to see him get out there and fly like that. He looks very uh, looser than he did last year, more athletic. And it looks like he picked up some more speed, Um Jordan Aikens, I'm sorry. And so uh, they scored twice when I was down there. But listen, DeAndre Hopkins would have done the same thing. So his absence of being here really didn't determine much last night. I'm going to tell you why. The Texans were horrendous on defending the run. I can't wait to talk about that. But offensively, you know, I'm seeing a lot of you guys just really overreact. You're overreacting way too much. Will Fuller had a very good game. It's not Will Fuller that was a problem. It's not that the absence of DeAndre Hopkins was a problem. I'll tell you what the problem is. I can't wait to discuss it. There are a lot of problems that we saw last night, some of which are going to be fixed throughout the season, but mainly just camaraderie, just chemistry, just having real time, real playing time together against other teams, right? Only A scrimmage can only go so far. You know the next guy's tendencies. So you're not really working that much. Now you got real competition that you're going to have to play for the next 17 weeks, and it will get better because now you will have film. Now you will have real game day situations that you can put yourself in simply because you saw uh, who you had on the field. So just calm down. Just calm down a little bit. Let these guys actually work to get better. It was game one against the defending Super Bowl champs. Hey, guys, when we first started off the show today, I told you guys about Bill Bar, how great Bill Bar is, but also left out some very important details that you need to know. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six new flavors, which includes my favorite, the caramel brownie, along with the cookies and cream. My grandmother loves that one. They still have the 12 original flavors, the raspberry, the German chocolate, along with the peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, and easy to chew. And this is for the healthy, conscious guy like myself who wants to lose weight but doesn't want to give up a lot of the sweets, right? You can lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and great for a keto diet. And here's another thing Bill Bar is doing for their customers right now. You get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last, which is only for a few weeks or so. So, so go ahead and hop on that right now. Go to billboard.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. 
Again, use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. Last season, the Houston Texans gave up an average of 121 rushing yards per game, and that put them around the 23 mark in the NFL. Last night against the Kansas City Chiefs, they gave up a total of 166 yards. And ladies and gentlemen, to be honest, that is the main reason why the Texans came up short in this game. Their run defense was terrible. I can't count how many missed tackles they had, and that's something that Justin Reed had talked about during the, during the postgame. He said that you're going to see a lot of players struggling trying to attack other guys because of the no preseason, because of the lack of, of, of a full training camp that we all – that they all are used to, but I don't think it's going to be that bad as the Houston Texans. And my God, Clyde Edwards, the Texans defense allowed Edwards to record 138 yards on 25 carries in his debut. If you take away Edwards production, the Texans probably would have came away victorious in this game, but their, their run defense was terrible, John. And I, I, I just don't understand. A lot of people are talking about the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. I'm more worried about the loss of DJ Reader because, yes, the Texans' run defense was still kind of subpar with Reader, but it was never this bad. I think if we had Reader, their run defense would have been a hell of a lot better this game versus last year. Well, yeah, in my game notes, I definitely wrote down an emphasis on how the Texans miss uh, DJ Reader a lot. But, you know, obviously they were able to correct that going throughout the game in the third and fourth quarter, they made a switch and we saw a lot more PJ Hall than than we did in the first yes. two quarters. And, and I think, you know, Brandon Dunn tried everything he could, but it just was not working out. And the Texans allowed six yards per carry to Clyde Edwards. You know what that means, Cody, throughout the entire course of a game? You know what that means? That means every time he's touching the ball, Half of first down, first down. Half of first down, first down. And which that translates to the Texans allowing drives of 11 and 16 plays. Right? That means your defense has been compromised. They know it. They are attacking it. And if your defense is, a, is going to be compromised that bad, then eventually your offense is going to be compromised because you're going to be playing catch-up. Right. And so I looked at that and I, I thought to myself immediately, get Brandon Dunn the hell out the game. We brought in PJ Hall. PJ Hall has a much higher ceiling and his show last night, by the way. I mean, he had two tackles for loss, if I remember correctly. Did a very good job of stuffing and stopping the run, especially those two plays specifically. I'm sorry I didn't write them down, but we know about when the uh Clyde was it David D- Damien Williams? No. It, it was Clyde. It was Clyde. When Clyde spent off of J.J. Watt and then P.J. Hall met him right there. That was one of the plays. And then uh, he also had a very good defensive stand inside the goal line. I believe the Texans were inside the four, five-yard line. And he had a very, you know, good flashes of moment playing there. So P.J. Hall definitely needs to have a lot of more playing time outside of DJ Reader. But I'm sure Houston will look at that, especially going up against who they're playing next week. We know that Baltimore is going to run the ball, and so they're going to prepare themselves for that. I will say this. Who has been on the J.J. Watt needs to look at reconstruction's contract. Houston needs to look at, you know, moving him around a little bit more. I am the guy. 
And I am big on, you know, two things, walking back statements when I'm wrong and also big on clarifying when I'm right. Two things happened yesterday. I was right about J.J. Watt playing some of the inside technique, and he looked good. He switched between inside and out. Uh, even though the run defense struggled, I think J.J. Watt had a very, very good game yesterday. Didn't have a sack, uh, but was close around a couple of times. Was really good in the run game. And to see him a little bit more looser than I saw him last year, and when he was at his best, J.J. looked really good. And uh, I, I really did appreciate Houston moving him around in order to not have him get so stagnant and allow him to win more on some of those one-on-ones, even when he was double-teamed. Maybe the double-team worked in his favor outside of the other guys. But uh, overall, Houston's front defensive line really struggled. They were pushed off the line. I mentioned Brandon Dunn. Brandon Dunn was pushed off the line uh, a few times yesterday. And um, the rookie, Ross Blacklock, He's a rookie. Didn't get any preseason in his show yesterday. Uh, I saw Carlos Watkins. He was on the play where Clyde Edwards actually had that big run of a touchdown. It went through his side. And I thought Carlos Watkins was going to be a guy that was going to eventually get cut throughout the offseason. He did not. He actually made it. I would have actually rather Angelo Blackson outside of him. But nonetheless, the, the front of the guys up front, the big boys up front had a difficult time last night. The Kansas City Chiefs, just especially with Kaleche, uh, they really bullied a few of those guys up front, and it showed. When you allow a rookie six yards per carry, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Their front seven wasn't the only ones that struggled on the defensive side of the ball as well. The secondary, man, I, I just don't understand, you know. The one guy that I'm, that I'm going to look at, and I really feel like I'm going to harp on him a lot this year, is Lonnie Johnson Jr. Every practice, every time there's a scrimmage, he is doing all this hooping and hollering, and then when the game is on, he gets, he gets beat by his man, he gets run over by a rookie, and I'm just like, what the hell? I, I just don't understand Lonnie Johnson. And, you know, I, I really thought that the Texans secondary was going to be a hell of a lot better than what they showed tonight, and they didn't. And I, I, was, I was just blown away by how many times they got beat by their man. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't for Justin Reed just putting the, the tip of his finger in a Hartman touchdown – the Chiefs would have possibly had 40-something points on the Texans this game. I know this is going to be one of many games where I look at Lonnie Johnson Jr. You know, I've always felt he has potential, and he does, but that's a reason why Bill O'Brien and Anthony Weaver are not putting him out on the field as much because every time they do, it don't really result in what I'm expecting. Well, we didn't really see a lot of Lonnie Johnson Jr. last night. And I think that's simply because of he's he is a second year player who did not get that much time last year. And the last time he stepped on the field was against this same team and he got cooked. Right. And so I think it wasn't just him. As I looked at that entire secondary outside of Bradley Roby, who for the most part uh, had a very good game. He did have that penalty which negated a Bernard McKinney interception. He wrapped around Tyreek Hill, and then Tyreek Hill came right back and got a touchdown. So he did allow one touchdown. But I think for the most part, uh, he did a very good job of limiting the opportunities and targets to Tyreek Hill. But I think 
overall, the secondary was just kind of everywhere, you know, and, and before the season even kicked off a long time ago, new hit, new DC, Anthony Weaver mentioned how exotic he wanted to make this defense. And early on he did, it worked for some plays. It didn't work for some plays. Uh, but I think overall, we don't really have a sense of who's actually going to be some of the main guys. We know Reed is, uh, and Murray actually had a very decent game, but as far as our cornerbacks, I just, as I looked over the field, I, I didn't, I didn't really understand a lot of the choices that were being made. And we would, we would have more, you know, in depth if we had four games or two games or three games before this actual game to kind of get some sense of uh, recollection of who's going to be out there more times than not. But if we're going to hop on the secondary, we also got to hop on uh, Houston's, you know, the linebacking core. When you look at the linebacking core, Cunningham, which Chris Collinsworth made a very uh, frustrating comment that Cunningham's strength is covering. No, it's not. <laughs> but I think Houston has to do a better job, the linebacker-wise, with covering. I mean, they got eight up in the middle of the field. Uh, but – Credit to Andy Reid and that Chiefs offense uh, and Eric Benemy for creating plays designed to get those players in that type of space in order to allow them to make moves and make plays. Uh, and you, we mentioned Reid. Reid has to do a better job with tackling and breaking down and, and better angles. He had that problem last year a little bit. Um, I thought Allen Iverson was out there the way Travis Kelsey broke him down. And it was simply off of a bad angle, you know, going about it the wrong way. And then everybody on that defense has to do a better job with tackling. J.J. Wise said it himself in the post-game interview. Everybody has to do a better job with wrapping up. Uh, overall, the defense really did miss D.J. Reader to start off. And with them missing D.J. Reader, and with the Texans allowing six yards per carry to Clyde Edwards, in the first half alone, the Chiefs won the time of possession 20-10. to 10. You're not going to win a game like that. You're not, and that's just simply what it is. Uh, Anthony Weaver has a long way to go to get this team where he wants it to be, where he envisions this defensive unit. But I think ultimately we have to take this game, like I said, with a grain of salt and understand that they are still working out the kinks. And they are just happen to play against the guys that already had the kinks worked out before the game even started. To piggyback off you said on Anthony Weaver, I do want to ask you this question, and I want your honest opinion um, because honestly, I like the defensive schemes that I saw Anthony Weaver setting up, like you mentioned, putting JJ Watt on the inside. But to be honest with you, this defensive performance, you could disagree with me if you want, but this defensive performance, it wasn't Anthony Weaver's fault. It was basically the Texans and their lack of production that they were putting out there on that football field. Um, I do want to say moving forward, though, we have to see a lot more of PJ Hall. I like what I saw from him in the fourth quarter, and that's part of another reason why I say what we saw in the fourth quarter, I believe, will carry on into next week and hopefully throughout the season because, to be honest with you, the, the last eight minutes of that game on both sides of the ball was really, really good for the Texans. So, you know, I like what I saw, the defensive schemes and stuff, especially the early part of the first quarter, but I don't think this game is Weaver's fault. I think this game is just the lack of production, the lack of talent that the Texans have right now on the yeah. on, on defense. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't disagree with that. I think, you know, ultimately when we look at it, Anthony Weaver has to put what he feels 
are the best players out there. But you may remember this happened a very long time ago during the free agency period. And, period. and the Texans were bringing in guys like Eric Murray, uh, Michael Thomas, Jonathan Owens was another guy. Um, and it, it just seems like they were fishing for a lot of, you know, who are these guys type of players? And it, when you when you have a scheme, I'm going to put it like this. When you have a scheme that you want and what you envision, you still need the best available, right? And you can't just always put the best available for what you have. What you have is what you brought in. And so it doesn't fall on Anthony Weaver. He is not the GM. The GM is Bill O'Brien for bringing in these players. Um, and you know this was Corona. You know this was a COVID type of year. You mentioned how this is a veteran type of year. I think that they could have done a better job with assessing who they brought in. But I will say this, ha-ha Clinton Dix is still a free agent after he was released from the Cowboys. There are still players out there. Damian Snacks Harrison is still out there. If you want to go and look for an interior kind of knows one technique of a defensive lineman, there's still players out there, which is good. We were able to see some of the areas uh, of both sides of the ball that could be improved, right? And so they can still go out there and bring some talent in, but they have to understand the Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl are so good because they are so talented on both sides of the ball. And they have talent on every level. Houston, you're not in a position uh, to really – try to bring in a lot of these plug-in players. You haven't won. And so you really have to do a better job with assessing the talent. I don't put the blame on Anthony Weaver. I think Anthony Weaver still has a vision for this defense. He's going to work on conquering. And I can't wait to see if it'll all play out. I don't know if it will. You know, we hope so, of course. But you still need talent on the field. And not just, you know, NFL talent. You were good enough to make it to the NFL, which is – a talent enough, but you still need talent, better talent than the next man and the guy you're competing against. So that's that's my take. I don't put this on Anthony Weaver at all. I just think the lack of talent, like you mentioned, is kind of what the, the Texans are having the issue with just off of game one. Now, again, they did just play the greatest offense we saw last year. They did just play the Super Bowl champs. They did just play Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not going to overreact too much. To be honest with you, at the end of the day, the only bright spot that really looked good coming out of this whole entire game was David Johnson. <laughs> My boy, David Johnson, man, I was so happy to see him perform, and he looked really, really well throughout the whole game. He recorded 109 yards, 77 on the ground foot with 11 carries, and of course, he caught 32 off of three receptions. And um, David Johnson, very first game as a Texan, he scored the first touchdown of the Texans, which, by the way, that 19-yard touchdown run that he had was the longest he had since 2016. And, John, like I mentioned, all this week, and even in the article I wrote on ESPN Houston, I said in order for David Johnson to become 
really, really good. In order to get the best out of David Johnson on any given Sunday, you have to give this man his touches. And that's what the Houston Texans did. And to be honest with you, I can honestly see seeing Tim Kelly using what, ha- what went on last night and give him even more touches as the season progresses. He looked really well last night, and I'm happy for the guy. You know, as I, as I, as I put it, the David Johnson revenge tour is going to start in Kansas City, and it did, and it's just going to continue. I, I just hate knowing that it came in a loss, but I really like what I seen out of David Johnson last night. Yeah, and before I give kudos to David Johnson, I want to say that Duke Johnson uh, did suffer a leg injury in last night's game. Uh, did not return back to the game, and we will await. We have 10 days between uh, the last time we saw Houston play and the next time they play. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to bounce back and get back with the team as soon as possible. But, yeah, David Johnson looked good last night. I mean, there was a couple of plays. He had a jump cut earlier on in the game where he really looked like the all-pro David Johnson that we saw a few years back before the injuries started to plague him. I will say this, though, you know, what was it? 11 carries wasn't enough for me. I know Houston really got behind early, and so they were probably just trying to play catch-up, but 11 carries just won't, won't cut it. In those 11 carries, 77 yards, one touchdown, then you mentioned the 30 yards he had uh, via passing. David Johnson looked like a, a, a great plug-in player Houston will have for the next 15 games of the season, and hopefully he will be active and ready to go the next 15 games of the season. But when I look at this offense, there was only two drives in the first half where I was very uh, excited for Houston. And that was the first drive. I, I saw them, you know, trying to kick it up a little bit, but it's only so much you can do when you haven't played football before, right, in a long time. So, but that second drive for Houston, there was a hurry up in there. There was a lot of quick read passes. One pass to fails that was huge. Uh, Tim play calling, Tim Kelly's play calling was very active and did not allow the Chiefs to get settled in through that screen over the Cooks, which ended in that touchdown with David Johnson. That was an offensive drive that I was looking forward to the entire game, right? But the problem was, there's a couple of problems with that. First and foremost, the right side of that offensive line struggled all night yesterday. I even tweeted, Howard, Titus Howard will give you one good play and then go on like three or four plays of just like, what are you doing? A couple of times I caught him just standing around when the play was still being, you know, going on and active. Uh, they had trouble with Frank Clark and Chris Jones. I mean, what offensive line wouldn't? But they got embarrassed a couple of times. Uh, Zach Fulton, who I gave him a lot of praise and just said, I think we take him for granted a little bit times, a little bit of the times because, you know, he doesn't really give up too much. He had a very rough night. Second year, Titus Howard, who hadn't played football since November 19th of last year, basically uh, almost a year now. He had a, a, a moment here. He had a, a moment there. But overall, if I would have to give him a grade, it would be a C-. minus. Right. There was too many times where he got too handsy and the ref just kind of missed it a little bit too outside of the, you know, outside of where you're supposed to block at uh, a lot of holding that was missed. Uh, and, I, and I think he just he has to get used to playing football against somebody else again. It's been a very long time. I would also like to see him come out of his stance a little bit faster and stop leaning so much. I mean, there was a play where 
I want to say it was Chris Jones did the bull and pull. They're doing the rush and pull. He rushed him and then pulled him down and was able to get to the backfield very quickly. And mainly because Titus Howard was leaning. He was he was leaning pretty bad. I mean, it was like a leaning tower that eventually you know was going to fall. And Jones just did a very good job of making that fall even quicker. And so uh, when I looked at that team last night offensively, they were very lethargic in the second and third quarter. I mean, it was hard to watch. There, in those two quarters, in the second and third quarter, it wasn't shades of the old Texans offense, the old predictable offense. It wasn't a shade. They just fully reverted back to being that slow offense of last year. I was disappointed in the Texans not attacking that chief secondary uh, who was out, who was without a very important player and also had that rookie Sneed who caught the interception uh, off of Darren Fells not being able to fully block Tyron Matthew. He was able to hit Deshaun Watson's arm. Sneed was able to get that interception, nearly ran it back. But I was very disappointed that they did not attack that secondary more often downfield. You have a 4-3 guy, a 4-2 guy, and a 4-2 guy. You have speed on this offense. And it really did work in getting the ball a lot quicker. You know, those four sacks on Deshaun Watson, uh, I think three of those was just, you know, not having that chemistry on that offense yet. A very difficult time with communication between the quarterback and receiver. Uh, so that's understandable in game one, but they did not attack downfield more often than what they should have. And the most disappointing of last night, I'm going to tell you, not using Randall Cobb more often. You know he is guaranteed $18 million with the Houston Texans. Do you know that? And we didn't see a target for Randall Cobb until three and a half minutes left. There was no urgency with that offense in the second and third quarter. While they were down, the Chiefs scored was a 17 points in the second quarter. Didn't see a sense of urgency until the last four minutes. Brandon Cooks finished the game with two catches on four targets. And Kenny Stills was, where, where, where was he? Where was he? I didn't see him. He wasn't involved at all. The only impressive aspect of last night's game offensively for Houston was David Johnson. Uh, and the left side of the offensive line still looks pretty good. So outside of that, Houston has to do a better job of involving everybody. Yes, Will Fuller is the guy you're going to lean on this year, but if you're going to do the same thing with Will Fuller that you did with DeAndre Hopkins, then you lost because DeAndre Hopkins is an all-world talent. And so if you're going to just try to switch out players to do the same thing, as talented as Will Fuller is, it's not going to work. It's not going to win you games. You're basically going to put yourself in the same predicament you did last year with even more troubled waters. Get everybody involved. Four targets for Brandon Cooks isn't enough. No targets. Well, one target for Kenny Stills. He did drop one, but it just seemed like after that drop, they did not go back to him. That's not enough. It's not going to help it. Randall Cobb, who is due $18 million, for God's sake, if you're going to use him for anything a reason why you have to pay him $18 million. That's a good enough reason enough. Utilize these players more. Uh, one thing we did not see, we, we were both asked this question before the game. We did not see uh, any of Kaheli wearing. Knew that was going to happen. Uh, so I'm on special teams, but not on offense. Jordan Aikens looked good last night. So did Fells. Uh, but outside of that, get everybody involved, Houston. You're not going to beat any of these teams. You don't have a lot of the elite talent at the wide, wide receiver position like the Kansas City Chiefs. They have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. 
you don't have that elite talent, right? You don't have that elite talent like some of the other teams in the NFL outside of your quarterback position. So you have to utilize the talent of your quarterback to get everybody else involved. That way, more hands, more opportunities to beat the team's defense. Yeah, man, I hear your frustration when you talk about the lack of targets that Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb had. And to be honest with you, I did not expect much from Brandon Cooks because he was a game-time decision with that quad injury. We did not know he was going to even be playing until it was getting closer to to kickoff. But to be honest with you, John, from what I saw, I just think the lack of targets that those guys have, you know, trying to get them down the field, that was just the that, – that was kudos to the Chiefs' defense because – they got after Deshaun Watson multiple times every time he had the ball in his hands. And how can you expect Deshaun Watson to find these guys when he's damn near getting blitzed every single time he has the ball in his hands, you know? And I think that was part of the main reason why he was going for Will Fuller because it goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago he's going to find people that he has the most chemistry with. He knows where Will Fuller he's going to go. He he knows where how what what moves Will Fuller is going to do on the field and what he's not going to do on the field versus trying to look for a guy that he never played with before in Cooks and in Cobb. I think that was the main reason why we did not see him target those guys as much. As for Kenny Stills, I honestly don't know what was going on right there, but to be honest, man, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins is an all-world receiver, possibly one of the greatest receivers that this league has possibly ever seen, especially within his last 10 years. And what I hope the Texans do not do, and I, what, matter of fact, not the Texans, but Watson. What I hope Watson do not do is try to make Fuller into an all-pro receiver. Yes, the guy is talented, but he's not a guy that you going that you can trust to go go to every single time down the field this team has multiple weapons and we and we saw glimpses glimpses of it good how solid this receiving core can be but you know I, I just think this this game was more about the Chiefs than the Texans because you look at both sides of the ball you have one team who basically returned the same team that they just won the Super Bowl with versus another team who basically had a Big turnover, losing guys like DJ Reader, losing guys like DeAndre Hopkins. And we all know everything that's going on in the world, not having your normal training camp, your normal OTAs, rookie training camps, preseason, whatever the case might be. I think at the end of the end of the day, game one, it was more about the Chiefs versus the Texans. Next week, 10 days between now and when they face off against the Baltimore Ravens. This is the main reason why I wanted to see them get that first win against Kansas City because I'm not too sure that they are going to be able to match up against the Ravens because, like I said in the first segment, if you have problems stopping a, a rookie in his debut running the ball, what in the hell do you think you're about to do against Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and the rest of those guys who literally average 200 and some rushing yards every single game during the 2019 season. Like Bill O'Brien said, they have some things to work on. They need to improve, and they need to do it as soon as possible because what's going to happen, what I don't want to see happen, is you look up, they're looking at a record of, let's say, one and four, one and five, and we're still talking about 
They don't have time for chemistry. They don't have time for this. They don't have time for that. Because that excuse is possibly only going to save this team for the first two weeks of the season. Cody, to your point, to break down the receptions from players of, that was on the roster last year to this year, 13 to 7. So that's Will Fuller with eight catches, Jordan Aikens with two catches, Darren Fells with two catches, DeAndre Carter with one catch. Compared to David Johnson with three catches, Randall Cobb with two catches, and Brandon Cooks with two catches. And with those new players, the catches were very far in between from one another. So you're absolutely right. The chemistry just wasn't there last night. Uh, you kind of saw it throughout the game where they were just kind of confused on the assignments. Understandable. And I actually think the Texans actually have a better chance of beating the Baltimore Ravens than what they had with the Kansas City Chiefs. I just – you you know what? Just say it plainly how you put it. Last night was more about the Chiefs than it really was about the Texans. The Chiefs team returned over 20 starters. Well, old machine. Got better with adding Clyde Edwards. The Texans team still going through the kinks of working out these new faces in new places. I'm John Stump Sports Guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook as well. The game is here. The football is back. The Kansas City Chiefs fans booed while the Texans and, and the Chiefs stood this time for unity. So i like to point out that it's not about the national anthem. It's not about anything that you can make an excuse for. It's about standing up for what the players believe. You don't want the players to have a voice. You showed it again. We understand now. We see you guys. Let's not have any more of this discussion. There's no more time to really try to do the best thing that makes you comfortable. Because whatever it's going to be, you're going to be uncomfortable with it. I'm going to agree with Michael Thomas. I don't think that they was booing them for the unity. He said they ran out on the field when they announced the Houston Texans. He said as soon as they ran out, they locked arms. Maybe they was booing because they, you know, were out on the field. I'm going to agree with Michael Thomas because, John, I keep saying this. I truly believe, I truly have a hard time believing that people are that stupid. And for you to boo in a, in a sense of, of unity that took no more than five seconds, it's just flat out stupid. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Michael Thomas that they wasn't booing the unity. They were still booing the Houston Texans coming out on the field. But, you know, with all that being said, as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> It's a sad day in the city of Houston. <laughs> Rockets went down three to one. Texans lost their season opener, and the Astros. Who I think they're on the brink of not making the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. But with all that being said, hopefully next week will be a better time in the city of Houston. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.